Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Synergy Conference held in Gahanna, Ohio at Pathway Church. For more information, please visit our website, ohioministry.net. Well, it's great to see all of you. As John said, my name is Scott John. Thank you for that introduction. Really appreciate the network uh, putting on this event and, of course, Pathways Church. Um, I want to take just a, a quick minute to tell you a little bit more about who I am so you know who you're talking with today. Um, I have a, kind of an unusual story. I served a church of the Nazarene as lead pastor in Bowling Green, Ohio for 10 years. The makeup of that board is that they were elected by the congregation. How many of you have that system in your churches now where they are elected board members? Okay, then I, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and needed to find a new home. But, but I knew that God called me to Bowling Green, so I wasn't going to leave. And uh, it just so happens that right about in that same time, Pastor uh, Allen, who had been the pastor at Dayspring for 18 years, resigned, and there was an opening. And about um, 16 months later, I, I became the pastor at, at Dayspring. So uh, our system now... Um, that I inherited is that the board members are appointed by the pastor and serve at his pleasure. And I can tell you, I like this system better than the other system. (laughs) Um, I've had an opportunity to serve on a lot of different kinds of boards, not-for-profit boards, homeowners association boards, and to really see in action what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I love to learn. And so I'm going to guide our discussion. The main main, um, part of what I'm going to do today is actually going to be in the form of a case study of an actual board meeting that took place earlier this year in another state. I promise it was. I'm not lying. It really was. I'll tell you more about that. Um, But I really do want this to be as interactive as possible. So we're going to begin um, by defining some terms. Um, When you hear the word yes man, what do you think? A rubber stamp. Yes. Okay, I've got to figure out how to get this thing going. Okay, yeah, there we go. What is a yes man? Somebody who puts a rubber stamp on everything. People a people pleaser. Absolutely. Agreeable. Yep, just an agreeable demeanor all the way around. No backbone. No backbone. Ooh. A puppet. Ooh, these are great descriptions. <laughs> I'm glad this is being recorded so I can go back and write all these down. This is great. Anything else you think of when you think of the term yes man? Well, you guys are right on it. Um, I looked up a few definitions here. One is a person who agrees with everything that someone says. The bobblehead. Um, We don't need any bobblehead board members, right? Two, a person who supports the opinions or ideas of someone else in order to earn that person's approval, just like what you said over here. So true. Um, When we elevate a pastor or another person in authority to a very high position, put them up on a pedestal, really want to please them, It's not a good attitude to have in terms of effectiveness for being on the board. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Obviously, we don't want disrespect. Uh, And then the third definition is a person who agrees with everything that's said, especially one who endorses or supports without criticism every opinion or proposal of an associate or superior. Agree with everything. So we know our concepts of yes, man, are, are right on. Um, And so we're not going to belabor that. I'm really eager to get into the the part about the case study. But um, I do want to go a little bit deeper here. Why do you think a person would be a yes man? I think you hit on that. The desire for approval is one. Why else? Absolutely. Yeah, who am I? Yeah, I'm not the, quote, professional. Man, I could do another whole seminar on that one. (laughs) Low Low self-esteem. Yeah, don't, don't know who they are in Christ to have courage. Pardon? Yeah, want to fit in. Yeah, we don't want to rock the boat, be the, be the guy that everybody looks at like, oh, yeah, there's that guy. Mm-hmm. These are some great answers. Yes. That's good. You can equate pleasing the pastor with pleasing God. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, or just don't care. Sure. Yeah, what does my opinion matter anyway? People aren't going to listen. That could lead people to being a yes man. I I had a few um, that I'll I'll throw out there. One, and it's been covered, I believe that the pastor is anointed and able to hear God more than I do, so who am I to question him? I mean, it's his job 
to seek God and then come back and tell us what God said and then we'll go do it. <laughs> Not this one. I tell you, that's way too much pressure for me, man. I don't want it. I don't want it because if something goes wrong, guess who it's all on? The one guy. And I don't think that's how God really designed it. But um, in theory, it, it could work, but I haven't seen it. So... <laughs> Um, a second uh, reason a person would be a yes man is, again, equating dissent with not honoring the pastor's position uh, of authority, not willing or able to be a critical thinker. Let me tell you, a, a great board member thinks differently than the average person. How, wh what do you think that means, that I said that? How would a great board member think differently than an average person? Yes, in the back. That's right. It's a global perspective, right? Absolutely. And you think about what are the unintended consequences if we take this action. So many times we just look at, okay, this is going to impact this area right now, and we should do it, or we should not do it. But what are the unintended consequences? And, and so great board members um, have to be willing to be critical thinkers. Not critical in the sense of being negative, but critical in the sense of I'm going to really look at this closely to see the issue that we're talking about. And then I, I think a lot of board members that I, I've seen, um, not, not at Dayspring, but that I served with before, uh, feel inadequate, incompetent, like they have nothing to offer, and everyone else is smarter or more spiritually mature than I am. So they sit back, and they're kind of a wallflower just taking everything in, and you wouldn't, the meeting would be no different if they were there or not there. That's not a good board member, right? So we're all in agreement. You're there. There's a great verse in Romans uh, 15, 14, I think it is, or 14, 15. I get, the, I get it mixed up. It, Paul says, I am confident that you are competent to instruct one another. That's to the rank and file church at Rome. So I want to, part of my goal here today is to encourage you as a board member to say, I can hear from God, and I am competent because he's placed me in this position. Now, if there's questions about that, we're going to deal with it later, whether or not you're supposed to be there. Okay? All right, let's move on to um, um, the, the last reason here that I put is that a person would be a yes man if they don't understand the value of conflict. You might want to, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Without friction, there is no traction. We experienced that this winter, right? <laughs> Without friction, there is no traction. All conflict is not bad. You're not going to make great progress as a church without conflict at the board level. But there's such a thing as healthy conflict. So why might a pastor think he wants a yes man on the board? Control? Mm-hmm. Time. Yeah, go into that a little bit more, because I, I think you're onto something. A lot of pastors have an agenda. Let's make it to my agenda, but let me go on and. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I meant to say that early on. I, I, I really do happen to enjoy board meetings. Um, in the six years that I've been at Dayspring, there's probably been four that I did not look forward to. Um, but. A lot of it has to do with the kind of relationship that we have with our board. There are a lot of pastors that don't look forward to board meetings for a lot of reasons. And let me clue you in on something, um, uh, board members. Uh, I don't know what the education was like for your pastor, but I can tell you what mine was like. I never had a class about how to run a board meeting. Not one. I never had a single class on church budgeting. Not one. So a lot of times... Your pastor is learning by doing. So there's a great word we like. It's called grace. <laughs> right? Why, why else might a pastor think he wants a yes man? On the timing piece, um, I think there are, there are so many things and visions that the pastor might have that if he has some yes folks on there, it expedites the process of change. That's not always good. It can be helpful, but it's not always good. And it, Yes. Yep. So by putting a lot of yes people around him, that 
Let me tell you something that most you're not going to hear very many places probably. Most every leader I know, almost every pastor I know, is more insecure than you could imagine, including this one. So you can falsely prop up yourself as a leader by surrounding yourself with people who agree with you all the time. Not good for the church, not good for the pastor, not good for the board. Amen? I'm used to some interaction here. You guys are doing great. So, um, John, you hit this one. The pastor's an insecure leader who mistakes consensus for progress. Hey, we all agree. We're making progress. But what if you just agreed about the wrong thing? Right? Then that's not progress at all. Um, the pastor does not value healthy conflict. Most people don't run into conflict, right? They're first responders. We give them um, high honor because they're firemen and police officers, but most of the rest of our culture does not like to run towards conflict. We like to run away from it, right? It's kind of human nature. Um, but a pastor might want to surround himself with yes men because he is, uh, he's insecure and, and lacks confidence and doesn't like conflict. So uh, we've looked briefly at what a, uh, what a yes man is. How would you define a rebel? That's your picture? Howard, Howard the rebel. His picture is next to the word rebel in the dictionary. Are you a board member or a pastor, bro? All right. You taking notes here for his pastor? <laughs> I'm sure he already knows. I've had interactions with him. Okay. Now, this is great. We've got to have a couple rebels in here to keep it interesting. This is good. Oh, yeah. A rebel may be somebody that just wants to change everything, satisfied with nothing. Their spiritual gift is discontent. <laughs> yes. Not following the herd. Yep. Sure. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, a rebel is often more impulsive. Yep. We're going to see a little bit about that in this case study. Yes, sir. You may need to meet Jesus and accept him into his heart. That, you're speaking a lot of truth there. <laughs> Did you guys hear what he said? The rebel may need to meet Jesus and really come to a saving relationship with God. Yeah. Um, let me, th this is a bonus. Let me tell you the secret of spiritual authority. You have to be properly under before you're ever be a able to be properly over authority. And as God's appointed representative for the leadership of a local church, that's your pastor. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. A rebel's got to be right all the time. Yeah. Yep. A hundred reasons why you're wrong and they're right. Um, the definition of a rebel is a person who opposes or fights against a government. What government are we under, church? Yeah, absolutely. The church is not a democracy. Board members, the church is not a democracy. If we run it like a democracy, we are falling far short of what the board should be. Boy, I feel like I'm preaching. <laughs> Um, a rebel is a person who opposes... I'm sorry, I keep going in front of you. A person who opposes a person or a group in authority um, and a person who does not obey rules or accept normal standards of behavior, dress, etc. Um, those of you that might be uh, uh, north of 40, uh, you think of um, the 60s, right? It was a period in our history that was full of rebellion. Clothes style changed, mores changed, everything was changing. It was a period of great great rebellion and, and honestly still continues to impact our culture today. Why might a board member be a rebel? What's the motivation? I think what you said over here is, is right. Maybe they're not in tune with God. That's a possibility. Yes, sir. Ego. Ego. They got a position, now they want the power because they're Yeah. I heard a seasoned pastor tell me one time that sometimes... Um, boards are made up of people that are popular, particularly if you're, uh, if you're on the board because you're voted on the board by your peers. And occasionally someone can be um, voted in, but in their personal life, they're full of frustration because they have no control over decisions that are being made. They, they may not be in upper management in their job, so they're constantly being told what to do. Maybe there's an issue at home, they're constantly being told what to do. And so the place that they can exert force is I've been elected here. And the ego can really get in the way. Yes, sir. They may just see themselves as a counterbalance to the yes man. 
Right. Right. Yeah, everybody can't agree with the pastor. Somebody's got to be a dissenting voice and have a different perspective on this. Yeah, the lone, the lone voice of uh, uh, reason. Yeah, great, great descriptions. Okay, let's, uh, I'll give you a few ideas that I had. I don't understand, appreciate, or respect authority. I think really at the core, a rebel does not understand, appreciate, or respect authority. It's, they're different than everybody else. I don't understand that my role, this is huge, is not to represent myself or a subgroup within the church. I'm going to hit this a little bit harder later, but while we're here, let's, let's spend some, a minute on it. As a board member, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is to say, I represent the youth. I represent the young adults. I represent the seasoned saints. I'm here to be a champion for the children. That is an entirely wrong perspective about what it means to be on the board. You are to represent the interests of the whole church, not a subgroup. You're not a champion of an age group or a special interest. And so if you felt that way, thought that way, I want to release you right now to just let it go because that's not why you're there. Ooh, the room got quiet. <laughs> I can tell you that um, Dayspring Church was 16 months without a pastor. Um, a six-member board held the ship together for that entire time and lost very, 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 very few people during that process. And I can tell you one of the great reasons why is because every one of those men had a global, larger perspective, and their question was not, not what is most important for this segment or that segment, what is most important for the whole church. That's where the mindset is really important, a global thinker. Bigger picture. Another uh, reason a board member might be a rebel is spiritual pride. I can do it better than the pastor or other board members because I was born to lead. <laughs> now, here's one that's kind of rare. And I, I haven't seen it personally at the board level, but I've seen it um, at another level of leadership in the church. I think rarely, but occasionally, it will happen that a board member has actually been called to preach, but they're serving on the board instead. And if they're not living out their calling or substituting a position for what they're really supposed to be doing, then the sparks can fly. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, the last thing is that the rebel actually does have a different vision for the church than the pastor does. I heard that. That was excellent. Somebody said under their breath, then they should be at another church. A men or start their own do it well do it right leave right but if you're not behind the vision of the pastor why would you want to be in the church that's a recipe for frustration for everybody okay here's the actual case study here man this time is flying you guys having fun i love the interaction i'm a twin an identical twin i'm 13 minutes older than my brother when god made me he said i like that let's do it again <laughs> Hey, I couldn't, I couldn't say that if I was my twin brother Steve. My twin brother Steve is a, has an earned doctorate. He teaches courses on preaching at a seminary level. is extremely influential um, in the church that I came out of, the Church of the Nazarene. He pastors a church in Tennessee that um, is primarily made up of special forces due to uh, the influence of Fort Campbell. Right on the, it, most of the fort is actually in Tennessee, but it's a Kentucky address. He's been there uh, about seven years and um, has an amazing favor on his life. Um, really, just two or three years into it, he's got a great relationship with the mayor, the school superintendent. Their church is doing all kinds of stuff within the schools. He's quickly become recognized as a spiritual authority in the community. What I'm saying is he's a good leader with a real heart for God. He got a vision that um, the old sanctuary needed to be spruced up a little bit. But, um, uh, and very early on in the process, the majority of their 12-member board, which is elected, 12 members, by the way, let me just give you my personal opinion, that is way too big. Way too big. These 12 elected members, he, uh, he puts this uh, um, action item or discussion item on the, on the agenda for 18 months in a row. The first couple of months, there was buy-in from the majority. They're like, Let's go. Let's do this. 
But he didn't feel led by the Spirit to just go based on the majority. He wanted to bring everybody along. <coughs> so 18 months in a row, this is on the, ballot, or on the agenda. They get to the point where there are about two or three holdouts. And finally, they said, well, we're going to vote. They took a vote in the spring of 2013, and the vote was 11 yes, 1 no. That's a pretty strong vote. The one you're not going to convince, right? So um, that during the summer of 2013, the government was having all their issues, and the sequester took place, and the military's not getting paid. So um, they chose to, to wait to implement this decision that had been made in the spring of 2013. So they got all their research together. They figured out what, what the cost was going to be. It's going to be a $73,000 project. The board, they again, reaffirmed it. We're, we're all good. In June of that year, uh, that's when their fiscal year happens, three new board members came on that were not part of the process the previous 18 months. The one who voted no is still on the board. This is where the sinister music starts in the background. <laughs> Can you hear it? Uh, they waited until December um, to uh, finalize the costs and develop the timeline for implementing it. They would be a gathering of their top givers. They would pitch the idea to them, give them the details, uh, solicit some early uh, funding for it, and then about Three weeks later, it would be announced to the whole church. So they have the dinner. People are excited about it. One week later, they have their January board meeting, and it's two weeks before it's to be announced to the whole congregation. Are you all with me? The music is getting darker now. You can hear it. <laughs> so at the meeting, um, the, the one who had voted no early on in the spring said, uh, Pastor, uh, we have some new members of the board here that were not part of the process, and I don't know that they're on board with the decision that was made to do this renovation, and I think we should vote again. Okay, I'm going to call a timeout right here. If you are a majority member who said, we're behind this, what are you thinking, and what might you say? Okay. Yep, you're right. It is. Mm -hmm. What else? Yep. That's what I'd be thinking. Throw her out. Let's go. You're exactly right. Very, very perceptive. Because there had been. The meeting outside of the meeting. Well, my brother's fairly familiar with Robert's Rules of Order, but um, wanted to make sure that, that he was interpreting it correctly. So he said, well, we're going to continue the meeting. We'll come back to that. Meanwhile, he's on his laptop pulling up Robert's Rules of Order, and there are two, two um, ways that you can revisit an issue that's already been voted upon. The first one um, wasn't applicable because it has to be reconsidered in the same meeting that the vote was taken. So you can do that. You can revisit an issue, make a motion to revisit. So the only other option was for someone to make a motion to rescind the board's previous action. So he said, this is what the uh, parliamentarian procedure is. If you would like to make that motion, I'll entertain it. So guess who makes the motion? <laughs> she makes the motion. I vote that we rescind the previous board action. Is there a second? There's a second. One of the new members. new members. So my brother explained everything. If you vote yes for this, it means that the project is dead. All the work that we've done, all the bids that we've had, the, the dinner that we had last week, is, it counts for nothing. Are you ready to vote? Yes, we're ready to vote. What do you think the vote was? What was that? No, no, thank God it wasn't a tie. I'd probably be visiting my brother in an institution somewhere right now if it was a tie. It, it, was, it was eight to four. Okay, pastor, pastor, pastor's in the room. What do you do 
in that moment? What do you say? What do you not say? Motion carry. It's game on. Let's go. Mm-hmm. That's a great option. That's a great option. I wrote this down because I, when my brother was telling me about this, I'm salivating because I'm like, I know where I'm going with this seminar now. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Let me find what he said. He's, he looked at his board. He's a, he's a great pastor. And as I tell you how he handled this, it will become very obvious to you why he's the anointed man to lead the church and why the other people are not. He said, I don't have to do this, but I really need to take the opportunity to clarify your role as board members. I want to remind you how the board functions. Now a majority decision has been made for the second time. He looked at the dissenters in the eye and called each of them by name. Now, he's not a bully. It was pastoral. He looked him at the eye and he said, from this point forward, your personal opinion has to be buried at the foot of the cross. If you say, this is what we're doing, but I'm not for it, it will compromise the unity of this church. And if I hear that happening, I will interpret it as rebellion and divisiveness, and that will be sufficient cause for re your removal from this board. Are we clear? I said, what's happened in the last month or two? He said, the money's coming in for the project. There hasn't been anything spoken against it by our board, and God has moved here. That is spiritual leadership. Proud of my brother. I had a couple questions here during this that I was going to ask and I forgot. Let me, let me go. Yes? I just have a question. If it had gone the other way, did he confide in you what he would have done? No, because he knew it wouldn't go the other way. I don't think that was ever a concern for him. He did say, he told me that he felt in, in his spirit that not everybody was for it, but he knew the majority was. Yeah. Good question. Yes? Yeah. I'm just curious, would it have been proper in anybody's opinion to say if you can't come to a decision, here's some teachers, take it to the congregation for a vote? Is that an option you I'll tell you why that's not an option for me. Okay. Because that is the board's job. And if the board so um, invites somebody else to do their job, they're not the right board. Plus, if it created a little bit of division amongst 12, what's it going to do amongst 500? That's a great question, though. Great question. I was, as he was telling me this, now remember, this is a military town. They're used to chain of command. I said, well, how did the other people feel? You know, the, the guys that know what's the proper way to do things. He said, they were very, very frustrated. And part of me, board members, I want, I want to help you help your pastor. If anything remotely like that ever comes up, the pastor's not the only one that has a voice on that. For another board member to say, hey, look, I'm your peer, but you're out of line, would be extremely appropriate because there's some, there's some accountability issues here that they're going to be walking into in the future. I said, Steve, when you become a district superintendent, this, this is going to be like gold, this story for you, <laughs> to teach people how to function. Um, it, what, what do you think the, the, the one, the dissenter, the one that we would, I, would we all say that she's a rebel? What could she have done differently to get her out of the category of a rebel? Yes. She was on the decision. I mean, she was there for the whole 18 months. So all of the... Okay. 
Okay. She could have asked more questions. Good. Um, I, I don't, I can't answer that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, knowing my brother, it's being addressed. Was she there longer than your brother? That's a great question, Joe. I suspect she probably was. Uh, <laughs> the one part of the story that I forgot is that um, my brother was asked to write an article for a, a publication that was later turned into a chapter in a book uh, called Nazarenes and Evolution. And he, he posted a real strong Wesleyan perspective on that, and she took great issue with that too. That was between the time that they voted in the spring and what took place in January. So she's just not a happy person. Was this an isolated situation where she, where she was opposed to your decision or was there a pattern of behavior that... I don't know if that question makes sense. Yeah, no, no, no. no it is. Um, I, from what he told me, I, I think that this was... Um, there was... It had happened before, but not with enough regularity to say... She's just flat out a pure rebel. She just doesn't like this particular decision. So I would say, what kind of relationship did she have with the pastor before? Mm-hmm. The, the new pastor. Yep. Yep. All, all important things to have for discernment. Yes, sir. No. That's a great question, though. Can we put this on the agenda, Pastor? Yeah, totally blindsided. I have no problem with someone disagreeing, but if it's something of that magnitude, let's have a conversation you know, before. Right. Uh, to me, that's courtesy. might not be parliamentary, might not be Robert Brooke, but it's courtesy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Particularly if she's got two or three others that are now siding with her. You know, right. Pastor, Mm -hmm. To me, that was a Amen. Yes, sir. Was she an old wine scan? Probably. Yes. Right, because then I'll be heard. Yeah. Then, then they can become the martyr. Yes, and, and that does happen. Mm -hmm. you know, a, you know, a person can put themselves in a you know, open mouth situation or, or in this situation where you know, the pastor had put his foot down. You know, yep. he, did right he did it with love yes. and he did it with appropriate firmness. Yes. Yeah, there was no, you know, we can't afford this or, you know, there's some compelling larger reason why we shouldn't do it. It was just her perspective. Yes, sir. Do you think this speaks possibly to relationship between the pastor and his coordinator? Yeah, it sure does. That's right. And it speaks to some of her motives, too. Um, that's w another reason why 12 is too many to have on a board. I mean, Jesus handled 12. He, got, he kept 11. 
Um, I'm not anywhere close to where Jesus is, so like five to seven, I think I can roll with that. <laughs> it also it speaks to a, a certain um, mindset of even respect towards fellow board members. Because when you're one against 11, it, you know, a reasonably humble person would say, Yeah, maybe there's, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think it really matters at this point whether or not they brought a valid um, research or it, it, there was a vote taken. There was a vote taken. You, you know, and I'm sure there were, and, and all the research didn't sway the majority. Over time, they went in a different direction because you already said there were three old estimates, and and they were convinced over time. And I, I think the board, as you mentioned, the other board members, uh, it wasn't only the brothers' responsibility; it was their decision making that was. That was now on trial as well. Yep. You know, and there's a mutual respect that was clearly not um, being shown. Excellent. Great point. Great point. Uh, where we're going from here? How much time do we have, John? I'm sorry, I forgot. Oh, we do. Oh, we got plenty of time. I want to teach you two principles. Two principles, and then we're going to look at um, some takeaways. Seven takeaways for board members and seven for pastors. And then if we have any time after that, we'll, we'll take some more questions. So um, I am a huge fan of an author named John Carver. Um, I, I do have a handout to give you as you leave that will have the seven things for board members, the seven things for pastors, and a resource list. But I, I, if I give it to you now, you're going to be looking at that instead of listening to me. So this is from Carver's work on policy governance. The authority of the board resides in the board as a body, not in members of the board. If you are on a nine-member board, you do not have one-ninth of the authority. You have none of it, while the board has all of it. We call this the one-voice principle, and not following it is a major reason for governance dysfunction. It requires the board, after sufficient debate, let me ask you, you think 18 months is sufficient? To reach a position that everyone may not have agreed with, but that no one undermines. This rule does not require board members from, to refrain from dissent, but does prevent their individual opinion from having the weight of authority. In other words, unless the board has spoken with one voice, it hasn't spoken at all. This little booklet can help you become more effective as a not-for-profit board than any other resource I have ever seen. John and Miriam Carver, I, I highly recommend their stuff. There's a larger book, it's about this thick, called Boards That Make a Difference. And um, it's a little bit more heady, but uh, the principles in it are, are terrific. So one of the things that I wanted to glean from this case study is that if the board knew ahead of time this one-voice principle, it may have helped in this situation. So um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about our personal story at Dayspring. We are getting ready to move into one of the, the biggest shifts that we've made as a congregation in terms of our governance because we now have five board members um, and the, the shortest tenure of those five is 15 years. That has provided enormous stability through the life of the church. But what's the downside? We're not control. If they're not, no new ideas. The biggest issue for me is that we have a vacuum of developing other leaders to that level. So I saw that in year two. I'm in year six, and we're now making the change with 100% agreement of the present board. And within the next two years, our current board will, will have a complete turnover because we're going to three-year terms with six board members and we'll have a constant pipeline of people that we're grooming for that level of leadership. Nobody gets burned out and we stay fresh. Yes? Is there an amount of time after the three Yes, one year off. And there's really no application. It's because they're appointed by the pastor. They could mention to me, if you want me, I'm willing to serve again. But that's about the extent of it. Yeah. That's a great principle, isn't it? Yeah. You just did. <coughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, no <laughs> way. 
I've got a statement in here later. That's good, Joe. I, hey, John wouldn't have asked me to do this if I was doing that. Um, <laughs> she's moving the Bowling Green. Yeah, well, it's a good thing she's Nazarene instead of AG. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Seriously, though, that if we agree on everything, then one of us isn't necessary. So let me go over the second principle. And, and the data for this, I, I talked to our board members. The reason they're not here, one of them is in North Carolina. One of them is in a rehabilitation facility. One of them is in Israel. And the other two just didn't want to come. So <laughs> uh, principle number two, know your role and who you represent. We really hit this earlier. Both yes men and rebels have a lack of clarity about their role as a board member. Your role is not to tie the hands of the pastor. Your role is not to be the policeman of what's going on in the church. Your role is not to represent a specific faction within the church. Your role is to provide spiritual leadership for the whole church in cooperation with your pastor. Phil, um, he actually serves on some of the network boards here. He's um, one of the highest capacity leaders I have ever met in my life. He retired from uh, Cooper Tire as the CFO and um, still a young man in his, he's, I think he's 60 now, but uh, that's young, right? Okay, good, good. Um, when I asked him uh, to talk to me about this, he, he said, people need to know why they're on the board. Is it a mandate from God or merely an expression of how popular you are? You think that guy's a yes man? <laughs> the kind of stuff he's raising here? No, no. Our purpose is to do the Father's will, and if that's true, then we can honor God over man. If not, we will tend to honor men more than we honor God. Galatians 1.10 is a scripture that's been really working deep in my spirit for about four years. And Paul says, um, anybody have your Bible? Somebody grab your Bible and read it for us. Galatians 1.10. Sword drill. First one to get it, get up. Your smartphone, your... Anybody have it? Okay, Rick, see you. Here we go, listen up. If I were still trying to please men, he doesn't say I wouldn't be as good of a servant of Jesus. This is an either or. Would or I wouldn't. If I'm still trying to please men, I'm not pleasing God. If I'm really intent on pleasing God, then I may or may not please men. Mm. Uh, I, I mentioned this already, so I won't, I won't review it. Um, for board members, seven things that I, I want you to glean here. And, and I got this list from talking to our board. Um, so it's from uh, decades of experience. Dayspring is 31 years old. Two of our board members are charter members of the church and charter board members. Great men of God. Great men of God. That's why I look forward to board meetings, because I learn. I learn from them. I listen to them. They, they have the best interest of the church in mind, and they're safe. They're true elders. So, number one, the most important quality of a board member is to be spiritually minded, not earthly minded. To be that kind of person who seeks the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's not about your business background. Not even how many scriptures you have memorized. Because you can have a lot of scripture memorized and not be spiritually minded. The role of a board member, if your church is going to thrive, is that they, they have to be spiritually minded. Because even in the mundane decisions, there are spiritual implications. Number two, the most effective board members have the spiritual gift of discernment and pray daily for their pastor in their church. Let me, let's, let's talk about this scenario of this gal. How many of you think that if she spent time praying every day for her pastor, that she would have responded differently than she did? Let me see your hand. It's amazing how prayer can clear things up relationally, the way you perceive what's going on. I have no idea. I don't know her heart. Only God knows the heart. 
But somewhere along the line, she, she had developed some level of distrust, I think. Uh, maybe even outright animosity. But you guys know this. Can you stay angry with somebody you're praying for? No, God, the Holy Spirit won't let you do that, right? So you want to be a great board member, pray. Pray for your pastor in your church. Number three, carefully differentiate between your preferences and real checks in your spirit from, from the Holy Spirit. Well, I got this uneasiness. Well, is that your pizza that you ate last night? Is that your personal preference because it's stretching you out of your comfort zone? Or is that really the Holy Spirit? That's a highly individualistic thing. But if you, if you made a note and put it in parentheses, I think the word time should be there. Time. It may take time to discern whether it's my opinion or it's really the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, one of the things that I've learned to pray is that if there's a question in my mind, I ask God to give me multiple levels of confirmation. Not just my gut. Show it to me in the Word. Give me a circumstance that I can lean on and say, well... I'm seeing a pattern here, and it's either substantiating the way I'm feeling or it's debunking how I'm feeling. Being a board member takes a lot of work. Number four, board members have a moral and ethical responsibility to be a participant and not a spectator. Listen, if you are a board member who feels like I have nothing to offer and you never say a word in the board meeting, why are you there? I'm just a little bit passionate about that. <laughs> All right, are we having fun? Yes. Number five, board members have a moral and ethical responsibility to honor the authority of their pastor. God will not bless a rebellious uh, board. Won't happen. Can't happen. Um, some of you Bible scholars, why, why did Saul lose the, th- lose, uh, the throne? 1 Samuel, right? He didn't listen. He didn't listen to Samuel's instructions, right? And there's a, there's a very powerful scripture there in um, 1 Samuel. I don't remember if I wrote it down or not. I think I did. Let me see if I can find it. That um, rebellion is as witchcraft. Really? That's like... That's one of the big ones. That's not a white lie. I mean, they're all big. Don't get me caught up in theology here. But witchcraft. Rebellion is as witchcraft. Saul, you lost your right to the throne because you rebelled against what God told you because you thought your idea was better. We have a moral and ethical responsibility to honor the authority of their pastor because when Saul did that, he did not honor the authority of Samuel who was placed into his life to speak to him what God had revealed. Okay, number six. Believe in the church's mission and your pastor. Assume that the pa- I know you're never supposed to assume, but just go with me. Assume the pastor knows what he or she is doing, even if, they, even if you don't agree with how the pastor is doing it. Believe in the church's mission and pastor. Um, our, our worship and recovery pastor is doing some s- seminars over here, and I'm going to be joining her for one uh, following this. And one of the things that she says to um, staff in terms of their relationship with their lead pastor, and, and she, she's strong now, she said, if you get to the place that you can no longer agree with your pastor, it's not time to start a coup. It's time to leave. Why? Because it's for the good of the whole body. So I would venture to say that every one of us believe in our church's mission. It's just as important that you believe in your pastor knowing that he or she is human, fallible, but believe in them, believe in their call. They're not going to get everything right, but they need to know that you as a board member have their back. Yep. If I can just throw out, along with that, assume the pastor knows what he's doing. Trust his heart. Ultimately, there's times where he's going to be communicating, and it might not be accurate in the way he's trying to communicate something, but his heart is overall for that church. Right. Right. Again, the word grace, right? Absolutely. All right, I have one more for you board members. I love board members. 
Great board members, great board members are secure enough to give their opinion and humble enough to stay unified if and really when they're in the minority. Secure enough to give the opinion and humble enough to accept if, you're, if things don't go your way. Is this helping you guys? Okay, now pastors, it's your turn. And the board member said, yeah, go get them. Let's go. Pastors, be careful who you approve for board membership. It's one of the most important decisions you will ever make as a pastor. I would rather know that a pastor stood up and said, well, we have three positions to fill, but you know what? We don't have six qualified candidates, so we're not putting six names just on the ballot in order to have them. We can reduce the number. We do not compromise the level of spiritual leadership in your church just to have another person on the board. It will come back to bite you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, I, I was going to throw a slide up at the very beginning with two assumptions. One is that you, you know the biblical qualifications for what it means to be a board member and Timothy and Titus. And, um, and the second one was that you're all here because you want your boards to function effectively. Amen? Yeah. Pastors, be careful of who you approve. Let me give you just a couple of tips on this. Um, I have really taken my time in appointing uh, new board members. Obviously, six years, right? I've only had appointed one. In that time, and we have two more coming on next month. Um, I, I have I've had conversations with the with the prospective board member's wife. He looks great. I love what I see when he's in my life group. But does he is he like this at home? We got to do our homework. Um, I. I I think it would be a good idea if you know where the, where the guy or the gal works. Find out who their coworkers are and see what their lifestyle is like on the job. You say, well, that's prying. No, that's due diligence. Paul said, you're to lay hands quickly on no man, right? It's a valuable position. Do whatever is necessary to build trust with and among your board. This is tough, really tough, in large part because we don't have a lot of time. That's on board members and pastors, right? So pastors, I want to encourage you. Stan Tharp is one of my ministry heroes down at Dayton Christian Life Center. And I had a conversation with him a couple weeks ago about some board governance issues, just picking his brain. And he said, one of the things we do is that between board meetings, we have a, an early morning breakfast once a month just to hang out. That's a great idea. The first three or four years that I was at Dayspring, almost every board meeting that we had was in my house, and their wives came. We all had dinner together. Then the guys went to one room, and the ladies visited and prayed and fellowshiped. And why would I do that? I want to know them. I want them to know me and build trust. Trust takes time, and it takes a lot of intentionality, a lot of intentionality. So if there's one takeaway that you might have, pastors, it's do what it takes to build trust. And let me give you an example. No matter how long you've been at your church, you cannot assume that you have that level of trust. When Moses um, married the woman that he did, his sister and brother took issue with it. Remember that? And they rebelled against his leadership. His own flesh and blood who'd seen him, who'd seen God's hand on his life, who'd been the beneficiaries of God moving through him, those very people that he had poured so much into and knew him better than anybody else still rebelled against him. Now, I don't say that to make you nervous. I say that to, to tell you, and, and I'm speaking to myself. I mean, I'm preaching so much to myself. I have to be diligent in maintaining close relationships with our board, continuing to build trust. Yep. Mm -hmm. Something that once it is injured or once it is gone, it's almost impossible to get back. So, pastors, be careful. Mm -hmm. And you're not, I'm, I'm not an insecure saint, but be very careful with that trust because it is almost impossible to get it back. Good point. Good point. Number three. 
Fill any gaps with trust, not suspicion. Um, Andy Stanley has a podcast on this very topic that's some of the best stuff I've ever heard about the kind of culture that you want to create in your church. So let, let me give you an example. Um, pastor's sitting at the, at the board room. Everybody's gathered around. A board member comes in late, and you can think one of a hundred things. Man, I can't believe they're late. Don't they think that this is important? Or you can think, something must have happened. Did they get a flat tire on the way over here? Is everything right at home? Fill the gap of what you don't know with trust instead of suspicion. And pastors, we've got to do this. Because our churches will never be grace-filled places if it doesn't start with us. Our first thought is, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, if it's, if it's happened the last six board meetings, then you need to have a conversation, right? But um, are you following with me? When there's a gap between what you see and what you know about what you see, fill that gap with trust and then find out. Number four, value diversity and minority voices. Do not view opposition to an idea as opposition to you as the leader. Don't take it personally. Everybody say that together. Don't take it personally. Because if you get offended you're not going to be able to lead. Okay, number five. Not all disagreement is rebellion, so don't demonize people who disagree with you. That's, that's kind of closely connected with number four, but a, a little bit different. Don't demonize people who disagree with you. It, it may not be, um, it may not be uh, a spiritual issue. Maybe it's more of a practical issue that you're dealing with. And, um, and, and multiple opinions that could be expressed and all still be you know, helpful and beneficial. Um, do not label all disagreement as rebellion because it's not. If you label it wrong, you'll react to it wrongly, right? So again, be secure in who you are as the God-ordained leader. Number six, not all agreement is beneficial. You don't want any, any, any. You don't want any. Let me say that again. You don't want any yes men on your board. If we agree on everything, then one of us is not necessary. I said that before. Now, our flesh says, give me a couple yes men at least. Give me Aaron and her. They can hold up my arms. No, those are your intercessors. You let them do that job. Your board doesn't need to be yes men. It will hinder your growth as a leader, pastors, if you have yes men. It will hinder the growth of the church if you have yes men. Find people that know how to think but are also believers in your church and believers in you. One of the new guys that we're bringing on, I met with him a couple of times. And I said, Dave, tell me, what, tell me what excites you about the future of Dayspring. And he said, one of the things that excites me about the future of Dayspring is that you're our leader. Wow. I was like, well, I'm getting excited now too. This is great. This is great. He's not going to be a yes man because I, I probed him a little bit on that. And by the way, I served on a not-for-profit board with him and I watch him. How's he react? How's he speak? How's he carry himself? What's his perspective on this? Dude, I just want to go back to number one one more time. Be careful who you approve for board membership. Number seven, just like um, number seven was for the board members, for pastors, be secure enough in Christ and in his calling that you don't need yes men and you don't tolerate rebellion. You don't need yes men and you don't tolerate rebellion. All right, what time are we done? 12.30. We, okay, before we leave, I want to allow about two minutes because I want to pray for you guys. But we have about five minutes for questions or comments. Yes. For myself, rebellion is almost always a personal issue where um, the impact of a decision on the whole is not as important as the impact of the decision on an individual. I can differentiate rebellion from dissent um, whenever it's so personalized. So, for example, this gal, 
It didn't matter what the other 11 wanted. It didn't matter what the top donors wanted. It was all about her. It wasn't about what's good for the church. How are we going to be able to reach more people through this? She wasn't on the committee saying, once this is done, we can, we can have this open house and invite the Chamber of Commerce in and you know, have a ribbon cutting. And It was all about her. That's where I would first look. Good question. How, how would anybody else answer that question? In differentiating rebellion and, and just dissent. Right, right. And like Joe said earlier, I think it's really important that you, um, you have a relationship with the pastor and you're going to assume what's, what his heart motive is. And I'll tell you, the people that I can take, I can take a, almost a punch in the face from people that I know love me. Yeah. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, right? That's what it says in Proverbs. If, uh, Howard, I would love to have you on my board, provided that our relationship outside of the meeting was such that I know you're for me. You might not be for how this idea is going to be implemented, but I know you're for me. And I know you're for the mission of this church. Great, great point there. How would you answer that, John? <laughs> uh, again, to me, it goes back to the selection process and knowing and understanding that part of being this group are regular meetings and they're normally scheduled at such and such a time. Understanding the schedule and when we meet, does that allow you to effectively serve in this right. position? And if work schedule changed to where maybe when they were selected, they were able to, to, to be there, it changed. Yeah. It appears that your work schedule is such it's really challenging for you to be a meaningful part of this. We need your voice. We need, you know, so we might have to ask you to consider right. your situation. And I would answer that too. It depends on what the time frame was. Is this a shift that's going to change in two months and we're going to have to have a stopgap measure for a little while? I would, I would uh, uh, make whatever uh, concessions were necessary to, if, the, if I felt the board member was strong. Probably shouldn't have agreed to run for the board. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll say this, and you know, I served the church for a lot of years. Um, but um, when we we elected, but at our first board meeting, we basically asked the group, "When is a good time for you guys to meet?" And you know, we considered work schedules. Okay, okay. It looks like this group right now, our meetings are going to be Saturday morning at nine or Tuesday night at seven, whatever. Once we had that discussion, we, we charted them for the year. So that might change depending on the personnel that's on the actual team. But, you know, that's how yep. we walk through that. You know, sure. This, you know, swing shifts and truck drivers and all that good stuff that come into this. Great. So I have one announcement to make. And okay. I see some yep. hands. Um, I want to make sure that you're aware, as pastors and board members of our network conference in May, it's going to be at Bowling Green. Yeah, come on up. We're ready for you. We want you to know as board members that we would like to invite you to two special parts of that conference. Now, every church has a lay delegate to the council. General council churches have two, network affiliated one. But on Monday of the conference, we have a golf outing, and we would invite any board members to be a part of that golf outing, pastor, board, you know. And that evening at 4 o'clock, Dr. George Wood, our general superintendent, is going to be speaking specifically to Pastor Board over a dinner that evening. So we're planning that into the conference. We want you to be aware 
of that event. So uh, we realize your work schedule sometimes make that challenging, but we're a few months away from that. So again, that first Monday on uh, the 19th, 4 o'clock, Pastor Board Dinner, Dr. George Wood, our General Superintendent, will be speaking specifically to that group. One more question here. I was going to say, I think someone who hangs on, uh, even, though, even though the consensus wasn't voted, not consensus, but the majority voted for it, that guy holds on to it. But I was going to say something even worse than that when they would walk out of, out of the meeting and say to the people, well, yeah, it wasn't my idea. Yeah, that betrays the one voice principle. Yeah. Um, if you're, yes, one more thing, Howard. Lots of them. Right. Tone, body language, none of it. Yep, I'm a believer in face-to-face stuff too. Okay, we're going to close this a little bit differently. If you are a pastor and you have board members here, I want you to stand up and get next to your board member and put your hands on them. If you're a pastor and have board members here, reach out, put your hands on them. Yeah, go ahead and move. Yeah, you sure can. This is what, that's it. Okay, I want to lead you in a prayer. Father, we thank you for every board member in this room and every board member on every board in every Assembly of God church in Ohio. We pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would fully equip them for every good work that you've been preparing in advance for them to do. I pray that they would be uh, excellent um, spiritual leaders. I pray, God, that they would have a passion to accomplish the mission that you've given us as your church. I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that they would have a high degree of loyalty, love, and support for their pastors. We bless these board members and the sacrifices that they make. I thank you, God, for their years of service in many cases. I thank you for the experience of wisdom that you have deposited within them. And Lord, I pray that in this next season, until you return, that our boards would be functioning with better clarity, more power, more uh, direction from your Holy Spirit than we ever have before. I pray that every board that's represented in this room today would be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would be spirit-led, spirit-filled, spirit-driven. I pray that we would drip with the love of Christ and that there would be great unity in every one of our boards. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, if your pastor's here, put your hand on your pastor. And if your pastor's not here, then you pray for him right now as, as I pray. God, I thank you for those that you've anointed and appointed and called to specific areas of ministry and certainly Lord none of us are perfect but we're available and we're willing for you to flow through us so I pray for an increase of the spiritual gift of leadership God would you would you bathe us in it I pray that we would see things we've never seen before that we would lead with greater confidence than we ever had before that you would literally eradicate any insecurities from us and that we would get rid of any tendencies Lord to people pleasing and that we would be in solid pursuit of being God pleasers. I pray that we would pastor and shepherd well and that you will give us grace to extend to others, that it would flow all the way down through our congregations, God, that our, our churches would be filled with your unity and with great health so that we can accomplish the mission in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, it's been an honor to be with you guys. Thanks so much for coming today. Hope to see you at uh, Network Council.